Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching series this morning on such a great salvation. So this will be part seven uh, this morning. I think last week I gave the wrong uh, part uh, at the beginning, but that's fine. Uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we also want to say thank you to all of our partners who are partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And um, in case you're wondering how you can do so, you can simply go to our website, again, at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to the top right corner and get the give, give button, and you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And you can see the, our mailing address on the bottom, on the footer of every page on our website. Okay, uh, so without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, just jump right into the message this morning. I have a lot to cover or, and, and whatnot, and, and I'm trying to do a little bit of a recap from last week as well as give some new territory this morning. Okay, so we've been talking about over the last seven weeks over such a great salvation. We talked in our first week, we talked about how we basically define salvation to define it as the, a gift. It's not something you can earn, it's a gift from God. Okay, and then we talked a lot about uh, the purpose of salvation. Uh, salvation, the purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and not going to hell. Those are some of the benefits of salvation and key benefits of salvation. But the purpose of salvation is, is a relationship with God. And even if there was no heaven, and there is, even if there was no hell, and there is, Jesus still would have died on the cross for us so we could have a relationship with God. Okay, so the purpose of salvation is relationship with God, and we talked about the necessity of salvation. We talked, we spent two weeks on this, but we talked about why do we need to be saved, uh, which I kind of briefly explained. But uh, it's, it's, uh, we just went to some of the necessities of salvation from many different angles, and then starting a few weeks ago, we started talking about the benefits of salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. And under the umbrella of the benefits of salvation, because there's many benefits. And I, I can elaborate on, but I'm highlighting three benefits, but in particular to some three sub series within the umbrella of the series, such a great salvation under the umbrella uh, section point, uh, the benefits of salvation. I think, think that what I just said sounds very confusing. But anyway, under the umbrella of the benefits of salvation, we're, we're going to be talking over the next several weeks, the, talk about the wholeness, the benefits of salvation as regards to wholeness, and then regarding healing, and then prosperity. Okay, so we're talking again, we're still in this teaching series, and we're talking about the benefits of salvation, but starting uh, two, two weeks ago, we started talking about wholeness, and we're still talking about this for the next uh, few weeks, okay? So, uh, let me just recap a few things that we've covered over the last couple weeks, and even more so last week, but we were broken. We were broken people. Why? Because of sin. Adam ushered us into Sin. There was God didn't create sin. God did not create evil. He did not create darkness. Darkness, scientifically speaking, is just the absence of light. God created light. God created good. Everything God created, He said was good. The first thing He created was light. He didn't create darkness. Everything. So darkness is really just. And God is light, and we are the light of the world. It says because we have Christ. So darkness is really just the absence of God. And that's not, uh, we were, we were good. We were, God, everything, when God made man, he said we were good. Uh, what made it bad? Man sinned. And 
man died, and God, God, God sent Jesus to reverse that brokenness and make us whole. Okay, Jesus came to fix us. Jesus came to make us whole. Okay, we talked about, you know, we're going to be talking about, and Jesus made us whole, spirit, soul, and body. <coughs> Excuse me. One of our key verses for this wholeness uh, mini-series is that from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, reading from the, New, from the King James, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray you, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has made us whole through the finished work of the cross. Jesus has made us complete, and Jesus came to reverse what sin had done. Okay? Sin alienated us from the life of God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and Jesus came to give us life and life everlasting. Okay? Jesus came to make our spirit whole. He came to make our soul whole. Our soul, meaning our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, our reasoning, and many other definitions of the soul. And Jesus also came to make our body whole. Okay? We also talked about last week how in Genesis 1, 26-27, then God said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image according to our likeness. And so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created male, man. In case you're confused on this, male and female, he created them. Okay? And so um, that's just the law of genetics. Okay? That's how God established it. And uh, anyone who thinks differently is just a fool. Okay? When God said, let us make man in our image, okay, we are created in the image of God. We are created in the likeness of God. And we define how, who, and God is a triune God. He's one God with three person, persons to that. He's not three gods, okay. And God is a triune God, and we are a triune being. We are not three people. We don't have multiple personalities. We are one person, but we have a triune um Makeup. Our triune God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and our divine design is spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Now we also highlighted too, real, real quick, that some scriptures talk about two parts of, them, of us instead of three. And so, talk about the inward man and the outward man. We, one of the key verses for this is 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we define in, in the, out, in the inward man is our spirit and our soul, okay, and which is also called the heart. And, and for the nat, for most people, they can't distinguish the two. First of all, if you're not born again, your spirit man is dead anyway, okay? It's still dead in your trespasses and sin, okay? But we also said the only thing that can separate your spirit and your soul is the Word of God. The only way you can distinguish the two is the Word of God. The Word of God is a mirror. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The only way you can see your spirit is through the Word of God. You can't see it by any natural means because it's not natural. It's spiritual. Okay? And and uh, the Word of God is not only a mirror, but it's also a sword. And the Word of God is a living and powerful and a sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the division of the soul and the spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. The only way we can distinguish between the soul and the spirit is is by the Word of God, okay? We talk about how the Spirit is, is saved now by faith. We use, uh, <coughs> excuse me real quick, we use Ephesians 2, 
uh, eight as one of our main verses for this, and for by grace you have been, have been, past tense meaning it's already done, saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. We spent a lot of time on this verse in the past, especially in our first hour on this series, but you have been saved, so faith is, is now. Our spirit man is saved now, okay? When you believe in his grace, you are saved by faith. Okay? When you accept Jesus, your spirit man is saved. Okay? And when you accept Jesus, you are made whole. But when we don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you know, our body has not been made whole yet. Okay? Our soul has not been made whole yet. Our, but our spirit man is. And, and and when you don't understand spirits on body, because there's going to be a lot of scriptures, when you read them side by side, it's going to be confusing. Because it's like, some scriptures will say you are saved, some scriptures say you're being saved, and, and some say you will be saved. And it sounds like the Bible is contradicting itself when it's not. We just need to understand what part of our makeup is saved and what part is, is still in, in progress. Okay, Our soul is being saved. It's not, it is not saved now. It's, be, it's in the process of being saved by the word. And we use James 1.21 as one of our key verses for this. And it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow the wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God which is able to save your soul. Okay? God's word is changing our minds. Okay? God's word is changing uh, things going on in, in our brains. Okay? God's word is saving our minds. And making our minds whole. In other words, I'm losing my thoughts and I'm getting, I'm receiving his thoughts. My soul is being saved. And my soul is being made whole. But how is that being saved? It's being saved by the washing of water by the word. My mind is being renewed. My emotions are being renewed. My thoughts, my opinions, my discernment. Uh, my soul is being renewed. And then we talk about body. It, the body is saved by hope in the resurrection, and that's all future tense. Our spirit is saved, our soul is being saved, but our body is saved in the hope of the resurrection, and this is all futuristic. Okay, and one of the key verses that we use for this so far is Romans 8 23 to 24. And in context, starting verse 20, Paul says, When the creation was subject to fatality, not willingly, but because of him who subjugated in hope, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Verse 23, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. We're waiting for the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. Our spirit being saved, our, I mean, our, our, our spirit that is saved is the first fruits of, of the spirit. That, and this, we are, and even though our spirit is saved, we are eagerly waiting for the redemption of our body. Okay, that hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't come yet. But hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees. Okay, I don't have time to, to uh, reteach all this. You'll have to look at our archives. But our bodies are purchased. Our bodies have not yet been redeemed. They're purchased, but they haven't been redeemed yet. You know, there's some times where I get a coupon or 
maybe I got a refund on Amazon or uh, some other vendors that I use for my business, and they might give me a credit uh, back, and I have to redeem that credit. I have it; it's been purchased, it's put into, it's been put into my account, so to speak, at least for them. But I have to redeem that coupon. I have to redeem that that refund, or it could be other things. We have credit cards where we have cash rewards. It's in our account, but we have to redeem those cash points and for them to be actually in our pocket and defend we can use them, okay? They're ours, they have our name on it, okay? They've been promised to us. We have uh, documentation for it, but we haven't redeemed them yet, okay? Our spirits have been redeemed and our spirits have been sealed uh, by, by the, uh, the spirit of promise and our spirits have been born again. Our spirits are saved. Our spirits are made whole. Our minds are being renewed by the Word of God. Our minds have been made whole by our being made whole by the Word of God. We're changing from glory to glory, from faith to faith uh, by the Word of God. Our body is saved, but our body is saved by the hope in the resurrection, uh, which is nutrition. It's made whole by the resurrection. Okay? And then when we went to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we talked about how the Lord formed man in the, in the dust of the, of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he man became a living soul. Okay? We talked briefly about the ground, and now the ground, all trees, vegetation, and all animals, every man, everything that came from the ground. <coughs> we talked about how everything has seeds to reproduce, and God created the ground to produce, and anything that we, we need is in the ground. I'm not going to go into all detail with this, but everything we need is, comes from the ground, one way or another. All we need is a seed to activate what is already in the ground. There is no need for you, there is no need you have where God has not already given you the seed and the ground to produce whatever you need. Okay? The kingdom of God is the ground, and the word of God is the seed that goes in that ground. And there's many scriptures talk about how the earth is filled with his glory, and we'll talk more about that in, in later weeks. Okay? We all have the same seed, the word of God, and we all have the same ground, the earth, everything God has provided. Okay? God created everything in seven days, or six days, excuse me. He's not creating more things. He's not creating more seeds. He's not creating more fruits. He's not creating more food. He's not creating more animals. He gave us the responsibility to, to multiply that and, and reproduce that uh, and whatnot. And so uh, he gave us a seed and he gave us the ground to do it and to multiply and replenish the earth. Okay, that's a whole other teaching in itself, but I'm using that in con context where we're talking about wholeness, the spirit, soul, and body. We just need the plant, the seed, his word, and the good ground. Okay, and the ground itself will yield his, his fruit according to his kind. And the first man, Adam, came out of the ground. Out, he made him out of the dust. And everything we produce is after his own kind. And, and God breathed into man that he made from the dust of the earth ground, and he became a living soul. Okay? The dust, without the breath of God, without the breath of God's life in his nostrils, man would not be a living being. He would not be a living soul. So my point is, God breathed spirit, breathed his spirit into man's nostrils in the, with the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Okay, the spirit brought life to his brain, to his mind, his soul. Okay, the spirit brought life 
to his body. That was really just a death course. Okay, but the way, <coughs> excuse me, God created us into the in the gist of all things, and that our life would come from our spirit. Without the spirit, there is no life. Okay, our life does not come from our brain or soul. Our brain, our life does not come from our bodies. Our life comes from our spirit. And when God breathed spirit into man, he became a living soul. He became a living being. In other words, he became a spirit soul. Okay. And how do you distinguish between the spirit and soul? The only one way to know the difference is between it by the word of God. And from his spirit, God ordained it. That from his spirit, God spirit would be the source of his life. Your spirit is feeding your soul. Your spirit is feeding your body. And when that is not when that is when your spirit is dead because it's alienated from the life of God, then the life of God, the nature of God, the purpose of God is not being that source is not being fed through your body and through your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, and everything that goes with that. From man's spirit would be an expression of the outward man, what is already going on in the inward man. And if there's nothing going on in the inward man then the only thing coming out of the outer man is flesh. But if there's something, if there is a new creation, if there is the spirit of man is alive, it can come out in the outer man, and it can be expressed in many different ways. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc., etc. See, sin broke the spirit of man. Sin caused man to die. Because it says in Genesis 2.15, and the Lord took the man and put him in the ground garden of Eden and dressed and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, that every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of it, death shall surely die. Adam ended up in living 930 years, so he didn't die in that moment. But he says, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. He didn't die physically. His body didn't die. His soul didn't die. But something died when Adam sinned. Something got separated from, from the life of God when Adam sinned. Some, when Adam sinned, his spirit man died. And when Adam sinned, his spirit became separated from the, the life of God. God still visited man, but something died on the inside of him. Man's spirit died and so the spirit that was supposed to be the very breath of God, the very life of God, became void of that life. Okay? He says in Ephesians chapter 2, New Testament, and he made alive you who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Without Jesus, you are a dead man or woman. Not physically speaking, not, not emotionally speaking, but you are dead spiritually speaking. Okay? And before we accepted Jesus, we were dead. Now, again, not physically, but we're spiritually, talking about spiritually speaking. This is why Jesus came to save us, and this is why Jesus came to make us whole. Spirit, soul, and body. This is what is wrong with man today. He can't fix himself. Most people today only have the revelation of soul and body. They, people can, can at least distinguish those two. Okay? Most people don't have a relationship of a spirit, soul, and body. The main ingredient most people don't have a revelation on is spirit because they can't distinguish the difference between spirit and soul. They think they're one of the same, but they're different. Most people believe if they can fix their soul, 
the body, and the actions. We think that we're in control of this. Temperance, self-control, is the fruit of the spirit. Okay? And we'll get into some of that in just a moment. But so m most people constantly are working on philosophy and psychology. Why? Because most people are constantly working on healing the soul. Self-healing. And the problem with man is not the soul. The problem with man is that their spirit man is dead. And that spirit man that's, that's dead is what was designed to feed the soul. Okay? Man can't fix his spirit. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. <coughs> I can touch your soul and, and, and I can say something that makes you feel good. I can say something that makes you feel bad. But I can't touch your spirit. Okay? Man can't fix his spirit. Philosophy can't, I mean, psychology can't fix your spirit. Philosophy can't fix your spirit. Just repenting, and I'm all about repentance. I, hear, I see a lot of posts on Facebook about repentance. I'm all for repentance. Repentance, soteria, means to change your mind. Soteria is the Greek word for repentance, okay? Excuse <coughs> me. Just repenting alone won't fix man's spirit. Okay? I'm all about repentance, but repentance is not the first thing. Okay? Repentance means to change your mind. It's, it's part of the process. It's part of that uh, conversion process. But just changing your actions won't fix man's spirit. You have to get a new spirit. Okay? You have to be born again. And then you change your mind. Then you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where repentance comes in. But you've got to be born again. Okay? Your dead spirit can't change your life. Your soul, your flesh can't change. You can't change the flesh by the flesh. You have to be born again. And then once you're born again, now you are, you're beholding, putting all your new creation in Christ Jesus. You're repenting. Why? Because you, you, you're changing your actions, not because uh, it's, it's your inward man, Christ who's in you, who's changing you from the inside out. Versus you just trying to change yourself without God. If you're trying to change your life without being born again, you're trying to change yourself without God, you're saying, what says, I don't need God. That's Antichrist. Okay? I'm all about changing life. I'm all about not sinning, living holy and godly, but we do it by the Spirit of God. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 Without Christ, our spirit is dead. Without Christ, our spirit is separated from the life of God. It's alienated from the life of God. We were dead in sin. Jesus saved us. Jesus made us whole. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, <coughs> excuse me, and he answered him, Nicodemus, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot... See the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I said to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, You must be born again. It's a new concept for a lot of people, but we don't need to marvel that we need to be born again. We spent a lot of time last week talking about where it's flesh is flesh and where spirit is spirit. I'm not going to recap all this, but that was just spirit is spirit. Monkeys reproduce monkeys, dogs reproduce dogs, ladybugs, 
Same thing, apples, all vegetation, producing out there its own kind. Okay, you don't plant the apple tree, now comes orgies. It doesn't work that way. People reproduce people, male and female, okay? Flesh produces flesh, and spirit produces spirit. Okay? You can't reproduce spirit if you're not born again. It doesn't work that way. That's like a monkey, uh, two monkeys getting together and a giraffe comes out. It doesn't work that way, okay? When your spirit has been born again of the spirit of, <coughs> spirit of God, and, and it looks, let me back here. Your spirit has been born again of the spirit of God. If you're born again, your spirit has been born of the spirit of God. It's not flesh. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. We know no man after the flesh no more. Why? Because he's dead. We're reckoning ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word sin, the word sin in the, in the, the book of Romans is used 47 times. 45 of those times is a noun. It's talking about your sin nature, not what you do. It's talking about the seed of Adam. It's talking about your nature through Adam, not your nature through Christ. Okay? And your spirit has been born again of the Spirit of God. We are born again by the, not by the corruptible seed, but the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. First uh, Peter uh, 1, 20, uh, 1, 23. Excuse me, I got so many thoughts going on in my mind, I'm trying to slow down. Okay? And it, so not only are you born, born again of the Spirit of God, it looks just like the Spirit of God. Why? Spirit produces spirit. Okay? God, now, some people, we talked about this briefly last week, but is it capital S or lower S? Well, God's spirit, is it God's spirit or human spirit? The spirit cannot produce anything but spirit. Monkeys can only produce monkeys. People can only produce people. Flesh can only produce, reproduce flesh. And spirit can only reproduce spirit. It's, it really doesn't matter whether it's capital S or lower S. We're not saying we're God. I'm not going there with that. That's not what we're teaching. But it's going to look just like him. It's going to be created in his image and his likeness. We are born of God. We're not God. We're born of God. Okay? And so, we are born again. Again, I just quoted this a minute ago, 1 Peter 1, 23. We are born again not of corruptible seed, that's Adam, but of incorruptible seed, that's Christ. Through the word of God, which is the seed, which lives and abides forever. <coughs> now, going back to, you know, I'm born of my parents. I look like my parents in many ways, but I'm not my parents, okay? I'm my own self. I have my own DNA. My DNA is going to be very similar to my parents, okay? But I'm, I'm, not, my, I'm, not, I'm my own person, okay? If you are born again, the very kingdom of God is on the inside of you. We talked about that briefly last week, too. We, your spirit is united with Christ, but he who, for he who enjoys the Lord is one spirit with him. So how do I, how come I don't feel it? Because it's not a feeling. Okay? It's not your soul. I'm not saying you won't feel something. Some people do. But we're not looking for a feeling because we're not, we're not talking about your soul. We're talking about your spirit. You have to renew your mind to it. Okay? Some things you just have to receive by faith whether you feel it or not. Okay? It is your spirit. The spirit man has been already been changed. The spirit man is already whole. My problem is not my spirit. It was my problem because it was dead. But now that I'm born again, my problem is not my spirit. My problem is my mind. I need to renew my mind. My spirit is born of the word. My spirit has Jesus. 
and I need my soul to be washed with your word. Again, Ephesians 5, 26 says, that when you might think by cleanse her, talk about us, the church, with the washing of water by the word. James 1, 21 says, and we, we talked about this briefly already, therefore I lay aside all filthiness and overflow the wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. We also talked briefly about from Genesis 2, 6, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And talked talk about how God watered everything from, from underneath. It all came from within. It didn't come from without. Okay? And Jesus talked about how there's rivers of living water on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. What's the Spirit? That's what God breathed into our nostrils. That's how we became born again. Okay? God wants us to put His Word in our mind as a seed. And the Spirit of God, like a river, will water that seed for our spirits. Okay? And through the Holy Spirit, His Word will take root, and out of the ground, fruit will come. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, or temperance. Our spirit man is already whole. Our spirit man is being saved. Our spirit man being saved is the first fruits. It's a down payment. Our soul is being made whole by the washing of water from the word. Cleansing our mind from the thoughts and foolishness of the world, then we will present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, and basically according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Going back to our key verse for this mini-series, in the very God of peace, sanctify your holy, and pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how did we talk about last week, and we introduced this last week, how do we apply spirit, soul, and body? How do we apply this to our lives? Because understanding spirit, soul, and body is the beginning revelation of how we are to live our lives. Well, so what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be to renew your mind? What does it mean to be transformed? Okay, we're going to be talking about that. Our new birth directly involves our spirit that has been already changed by the spirit Word of God. It says, born of a whole new seed, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. But my mind also wants, God, God also wants my mind to be changed. My body, my spirit man has already been changed. It's, it's already been a great miracle, the greatest miracle of all. But now my mind needs to be changed. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be renewed. In other words, it needs to be renovated. Okay? But God also wants my, God, because with my my soul is my mind, my will, my emotion. God wants all that to be changed. He also wants my body to be changed. He wants it to be whole. He wants it to be healed. He doesn't want me to have to suffer with diseases and different things and COVID. God wants my, me whole spirit, soul, and body. Because he said he, went, he wants to sanctify us holy. And I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be reserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, though, verse 24, Faithful is he that calls you, who also will do it. And that's where I want to go with this morning, is capitalizing on this, but he is not only, he is able to do it. He's, a, he's able to make our spirit, soul, and body 
blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident in this very thing that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, not Jesus. Okay. God has a good plan for your life. Okay, He has a good plan for my life. And God's plan for our lives is not religion. Okay, I hate religion. Okay? Religion is man trying to do something. Okay? I'm not saying we don't have a response and there's not a place for repentance and a place to, that we, we cooperate with God. But that's not the source. We're not the source of it. We're not God. Okay? God's plan for our life is not sin. Some people think that when I teach grace and the way that I teach it, that I'm just giving a license to sin. You don't, first of all, you don't even know your own Bible, if that's what you're saying. It's not a, it's not a plan for sin. God's plan for your life is not a plan of addiction, being addicted, addicted to many, many different various things, whether that be a plant, a bottle, a, 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 a drug, or even gossip and different other, other, other things of this world. You can be addicted to work. I can, I can be a workaholic in many ways. Okay, you can be. I, I've seen many pastors and ministers addicted to the ministry, neglecting their families, neglecting other things, and so uh, many things you can be addicted to. Okay, it's also not a life of worry and stress. It's not a plan for sickness. It's not a plan plan for lack and poverty. God also doesn't want you to live depressed, where your soul is sick, it's wounded, it's yeah, you are just uh, broken on the inside. It's not a plan for misery. It's also not a plan just to grin and bear it until the end. Okay? God did not, did not, did not leave us here on this planet so that we can just hang on until he comes. That's not the plan of God. Yes, perilous times will come. All the apostles promised that. Jesus promised that until Jesus comes. But he didn't, he didn't do it just hanging on. We have Jesus. <coughs> okay? Even, even uh, Israel, when they were in Egypt before the Exodus, they were in Goshen. And when all the plagues came on Egypt, they were in Goshen. God preserves his people. And there's going to be things that are going to come on the earth, but God will preserve his people. Okay? Christ redeemed us by his own blood to reign as kings and priests. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. He redeemed us by his blood that we could reign as kings and priests. And when we receive the, the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness, we shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. Okay, we are the reign. Okay? Christ saved us to establish his kingdom in the earth. And Jesus said, it's to my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom because the kingdom of God is not here and there. You can't see it with the natural eyes. The kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is, is um, peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. I got those out of order, but you got my point. Jesus said, I, it's my father. we have the keys of the kingdom. Okay? Is a physical kingdom coming? Yes. But we have a spiritual kingdom here now. And it's not a physical kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. And when you are born again, not only can you enter the kingdom of God, you can see it. And I can see the kingdom of God. And it's not with natural eyes, it's with spiritual eyes. And Christ saved us so that we can fight 
the fight of faith. It's a fight. The just should live by his faith. And we don't want our faith shipwrecked. Paul says the Thessalonians that come to, to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. But it is a fight of faith. And we have to fight to win. And we are victorious. We are more than conquerors to him who loved us. Christ saved us so we can destroy the works of the devil. How do we do that? By healing the sick. Raising the dead. Christ saved us to preach salvation is here. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus saved us so we can preach Jesus. Jesus, Christ, Jesus, Christ saved us so we can be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the body of Christ, the church of the Most High. Christ saved us to make a difference. Christ saved us to have an impact. And all this has to happen. All this has to happen to the spirit, soul, and body. Not just your born again spirit. God wants your whole spirit, soul, and body. And nonetheless, it all begins with your spirit being born again. That's where it begins. You being a new creation, Christ, you being born again is the beginning point. It's the most important point because everything else can follow. And if, you, if this has happened, you're going to heaven and you're not going to hell. Okay, But at the same point in time, this is just the beginning. When you were born, when you were physically born, you know, Everyone said, oh, yes, he's born. Now, just, that's your purpose in life, just to be born. You don't have any responsibilities, okay? You don't have anything to do. No, everyone has a purpose in life. Yes, as a child, you grow up and play, and, 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 and uh, you begin to learn your motor skills and the other things. You learn, you get an education, you grow. You learn how to get along with people. You finally get a job and you get a career and a family. Hobbies and things that just make you tick. Okay? And you live out that life. And you have kids and you raise them up. And, and, <coughs> and we can talk about the circle of life. But being born is just the beginning of your life. It's not the ends of the means. It's just the beginning. It's an awesome thing when we see, hear about the birth of a child. But it's just the beginning of that child's life. And that child is going to hopefully grow up and reproduce themselves. And they're going to have kids, grandkids, and even uh, spiritual kids and whatnot. And friends, people that they make a difference. Praise God for, that we were born. But that is just the beginning. And praise God we're born again. But that is just the beginning. Okay? We're not just saved so we go to heaven and there's, no, there's nothing to do with that. You know, really, that's a very selfish attitude if that's your case. Because... All you got saved is go to heaven, but you don't care about uh, living your life, and you're missing out. Okay, there's a, there's, we have such a great salvation, but we can be confident of this very thing that He who began a good work in us, what that, what that good work, being born again, He began it, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's something that still needs to be completed. It began. By being born again. But there's something that he still wants to complete. He wants to, you, you to be whole and blameless, spirit, soul, and body. And God did not save you and then leave you stuck. Stuck with sickness, stuck with lack, stuck with addictions, stuck with all kinds of different things. Some of us are stuck 
And yet some of us still need to start. We haven't been born again. We haven't received Jesus Christ. Our spirit man is still dead. And we need to receive Jesus and become born again. Okay, so I think you need to start. Because some of you, you got your, your spirit saved. But you need to get your soul renewed, your mind renewed. You need to get your body into alignment with the word of God. Some of you need to become saved. Some of you need to become born again. Some of you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But most of us who are saved need to become unstuck in many areas of our soul and in our bodies. Okay? Most of us who are saved need to become unstuck. I already said that. Most of us are saved need to become whole in many areas of our soul and our body that are not currently experiencing that wholeness that God, Jesus, came to give us. Most of us need to experience salvation in our soul and in our body. Because he got the wrong reference at the top. It's supposed to be 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, rather of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which abides and lives forever. See, we are born again by the incorruptible seed. There's no corruption in it. And one, it won't die. It will live forever. And two, there's no there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing corrupted. There's no sin. There's no guile. There's no, there's no perversion in it. And we're born again by the word of God, the seed of God. The, Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they're life. Pneuma, spirit, they're life. Okay? And when we became born again, God deposited into our spirit everything we need to change our lives. It's in seed form. And that seed if, if it's watered, it's planted by the Word of God, but it's also watered by the Word of God. And when we water right, and we understand it right, and we become discipled in the right, it will change our soul to renew our minds, and it will change our bodies in many different ways to be healed or be whole. I want to read Philippians 1, 6 for a different translation called TPT. I know some of you haven't even heard of that. It says, I pray with great faith of you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing that? I just love that beautiful language. But he, he who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you. Okay? So uh, we all need, we, as even uh, naturally speaking and also spiritually speaking, we need to go through the, the process of maturing. Okay? And put his finishing touches to it until I, the, the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, while the world is getting darker, and I think we can all agree on that, we should be getting brighter. Light is greater than darkness. Okay? We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, the Bible says. And we are in this process of maturity. And he process of him putting his, his finishing touches. He's the one doing the work. He's the one putting the finishing touches on us. We, now, we can boldly call sin, sin. Okay? And sin is sin. And I'm never going to water that down. We can boldly judge sin for what it is. 
But we are not condemning others. Okay? We are not judging others. Why? Because God is not done with any of us. He is still maturing us. He's still putting his finishing touches on that. We can call a spade a spade. We can call sin, sin. And we can, we can condemn sin. But we are not condemning one another. God is still working on us. God is still maturing us. When you were mature, did you get some spankings or, 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 or discipline? Okay, from your parents and mentors? Okay? Don't tell me you came out of the womb and you just were a perfect child, you know? And even even now as adults, we still need to be disciplined tonight from our bosses and, 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 and friends and whatnot and coaches. Okay? But God's not done with us. Sand is sand, raw is raw, black is black. Okay? But we are still a work in process when it comes to renewing our minds and getting our lives into alignment. Okay? He's not done with us. He's still maturing us and putting the finishing touches. First Corinthians 4, 3 to 4 says, But with me it is very small thing that I should be judged by you. I'm going to go off on this just for a minute, okay? Or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. I'm just going to go off on this for a moment. Paul's making some pretty strong language here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He's actually rebuking the church because they are taking matters to the courts, to a civil court, to a worldly court, instead of being mature enough to, to work out their problems. There was conflict going on, and they're suing one another, and they're taking one another to court. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the body of Christ. He says, you guys should be mature enough. He, said, he even says, I say this to your shame. He says it in the context. And he used some strong language. How they need to grow up, get their thumb out of their mouth, pick, pull their big boy pants and girl pants up, and, and get along. And if there's anybody who should learn how to, make, to resolve their differences, it's the church. We have no business dragging our personal affairs and our conflicts into the work where we should, uh, and that's where he talked about church discipline, where, where the church should, should uh, reconcile these events in the church, not the world. Why are we in a different kingdom? I don't take my American affairs and go to Italy and resolve them. It doesn't work that way, okay? And so, but Paul says this, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Like the one who judges me is God. And, for, and when, in other words, God's opinion of me, it matters. And when your opinion doesn't line up with God's opinion of me, your opinion doesn't matter. Okay? And I'm not saying it doesn't hurt you, but I'm just saying I, we can be mature enough and secure enough in our relationship with God where we are not going to be uh, ruined because people are judging us. Paul said, it's a small thing for me to be judged by you. He goes on to say, verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels and counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Paul's not talking about things the Holy Spirit has already reproved. How many know the Holy Spirit does reprove things? He says in 2 Corinthians 3, 16, I mean, 2 Timothy 3, 16, excuse me, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
We can use the Word of God to <coughs> be indoctrinated. We can use the Word of God to reprove things, to correct things, to instruct things in righteousness. Okay? All Scripture is powerful for that. Paul is talking about negative judgment about himself. Or negative judgment between one another. Paul is talking about people criticizing him and criticizing others in a negative, malicious way. James says it this way, when there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. James 3.16. We should be so secure in Jesus that it is a small thing to be mocked by other people. Okay? We should be so secure in Jesus that it's a small thing to be persecuted by others. Even if we were martyred. <laughs> Why? Because we're judged by God. You can kill me. <laughs> be mar I can be a martyr. But you're not my judge. She's my judge. All you, if you martyr me because of my faith in Jesus, all you did was graduate me into eternity. <laughs> do, I want, do I want to go before my time in that sense? No. There's work to be done here. Okay? But, uh, if you think I need to go to be with my daddy early, you know, I'm only here for you. So I'm not here. Uh, Paul says, it's better, I would rather uh, die and be with the Lord. But I, the only reason I'm sticking around is for your sake. And I, I'm going to adopt that type of attitude that Paul had. God alone is our judge. You're not it. You don't qualify. I'm close. God's new, the good news is that God is not done with us. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Okay? Some of us have been crippled because of what other people have done and said about us. And their opinion doesn't matter. Okay? Is it wrong? Yes. Sherry and I have had plenty of experiences with people, even in the church, who have done horrible things to us. And it did hurt. And I'm embarrassed to say it bothered me too much. But it did. It is still stings to this day. I still get teared up over some of the stuff people have done. It was just pure evil. But really, when it comes down to it, what they did to us and what they think about us is a small thing compared to what God says about us. And knowing what God says about us is what really got us from just being depressed and, and just ruining our lives. It's what helped us pick us back up and keep doing what we're doing. Still having this church and still ministering. Because even though it hurt, and even for a moment, it did sting. And it still stings our heart. We have to die daily. But at the same point in time, we, have, we also have the Holy Spirit who reminds us. And sometimes on a daily basis or a weekly basis or however often we need it. That what they think of us is a small thing. They're not our judge. They are, they are out of line. And I think we, we let God deal with them. And me worry about what my father says. See, God will finish the good work he began in us. That's where I'm going with this. Okay. Because just because we are saved, spirit, soul, and body... Our spirit man is saved, but our soul and body still need some work. And it's still a work in process. You know, if you think that you haven't sinned since you've been a believer, you're a liar. I had an argument with a guy a few years back. 
He says, I've never sinned since I've been saved. I go, you're lying. First of all, you're deceived. Um, so you're lying. And so, anyway, God was not done with us. He's still putting some finishing touches on us, okay, before he comes. He's, he's, we're still the clay. He's the potter. And he's still making us, he's making us blameless, spirit, soul, and body for when he comes. God wants you whole, spirit, soul, and body. He died for you to be whole. And, he, and I just quoted it, but he's, he wants you whole, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? And I can be confident that he who began a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay? So let's move forward here. Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and the do of his good work. We've, we've touched on this scripture many times in recent weeks, but we're to work out with spiritual wing this salvation. Okay? That we've been talking about. See, God works salvation in us, and the major step towards maturity is to quit looking for salvation to still come. A major step to maturity is being under, is be, to begin understanding salvation is already in us. You already have, if you receive Christ, you already have salvation. Okay? A major step towards the maturity is to begin working out the salvation that is already in you. We already have salvation if we're born again. We already have wholeness. We already have healing. We already have prosperity. We already have deliverance. It's not God's turn to move. God has already provided salvation for the whole world. Is the whole world saved? No, because the whole world hasn't received them. But those who have received it, he's worked salvation in, and he's already provided salvation. It's our turn to believe. It's our turn to receive. It's our turn to put faith in his grace. We are working out our salvation. That he's already put it in, in seed form, being born of incorruptible seed. We are not working for salvation. That's religion. Salvation is a gift. We established that in our very first hour when we talked about how the gift of salvation. Salvation was God did for us through Jesus Christ. Salvation is not what we do. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Okay, that's self-righteousness. That's religion. Salvation, his grace, can only be received by faith. We're putting faith not in what we do. We're putting faith in his grace. We can only be saved by putting faith in his grace. You cannot be saved Faith with no grace, and you can't be saved by grace with no faith. We have to have both. We talked about that at length in our first hour. When you, we put faith in Jesus as our Lord, God puts salvation and all of his blessings, all of his benefits, and inside of us that seed form. We then work that salvation that's in seed form, that's in our spirits, and we work it out. Okay? Going back to Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who has worked both the will and the do of his good pleasure. See, let's, let me talk about this fear and trembling real quick. He's not talking about being afraid of God. 
John, in, in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 4, he talks about how fear brings torment. God's not tormenting us with fear. 365 times in Scripture, God tells us that we are to fear not. But here he says we have to do with fear and trembling. Why does he say 365 times that we are to fear not? And then here he says we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What's going on? What's the message? He's not talking about being afraid of God. He's talking about respecting God. And having a reverence for God. Okay? And then he goes on to say, For it is God who works in you, both to will and do his good pleasure. See, God's will, his seed, is inside of you. If you're born again, is in seed form, his will, his desire, his plan. You know, when God created every plant, and every human, and every insect, and every animal, he created a seed. And when that seed is fertilized properly, you know, a monkey seed will produce a monkey. An apple seed will produce apples. Everything that apple is supposed to be is already in that seed. The, the plant, the blossoms, the seeds, the sap, everything's in there. Same thing for the monkey. The, everything it does. An elephant. The trunk, the legs, the body. It's already in that seed. For every male, for every female, for every insect, for every ladybug. You know, even the bumblebee. It's born with a steener. Okay? It has one. Okay? It's in seed form. And when that seed is fertilized properly, it will look just like it's supposed to. It's already inside that seed. Okay? And everything we need for life and godliness is already in us in seed form. We're born of God. We're born, we were born of the flesh and we look like our parents. We look like <coughs> one another in many different ways. We might have different colors of skin and nationalities and different, different things. And different colors of hairs and eyes and different things. Some are rounder than another. Some are more thinner than another. But we all have... And I understand there's some deformed uh, people who have been born, but most, most of us have, we have our torso, we have our head, we have our legs and fingers and whatnot. And I know there's been some interesting stories through the years for different things, but for the most part, we all look alike. We have the same, we can tell it's a human and not a monkey and not a giraffe or anything else. We didn't evolve from a monkey. Monkeys don't produce humans. That, that is not how God ordained the seeds to work. Okay? But flesh begets flesh, and spirit begets flat spirit. And we're born, if we're born again, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we are born of God, spirit to spirit. And the spirit is not something you can see and feel with your natural senses. And that is something that you can only see and know by the word of God. But every God's will his purpose, his seed, his nature is on the inside of you in seed form. And when we work out that salvation, we'll see the life of God. We'll see it manifest in our body. We'll see it manifest in uh, our lives in every, every which way. See, it's already in us, and we then work that salvation out. We work that will that purpose out that's in us in seed form. See, hear me, hear, me, hear, me, hear me carefully. 
We, I'm not working it out without God. I'm not working my salvation out without God. And God is not working out my salvation without me. Are you hearing me? I'm not working out the salvation with fear and trembling without God. And he's not, he's doing it in me, but he's not doing it without me. I'm not a puppet. Salvation is much more than being born again. Being born again is the beginning. It's the first fruits. Salvation must be worked out. It must mature. It must gestate and germinate and grow. But let's be honest. Why are some Christians further along in their walk than others? Why do some Christians seem to be more mature and advanced? Why are some Christians not experiencing healing? Why are some Christians not experiencing prosperity or deliverance or other benefits that we, we, we can and will talk about? It's not God's fault. He's already done the work. He's already provided it. He's already commanded it in seed form. But they are either in the flesh trying to work it out without God, or they are expecting God just to work it everything out without them. There's a lot of people who are just waiting for God to do something. And there's a lot of people through religion trying to do it without God. And both are wrong. Some are doing, in one sense, they're doing both, but they're not doing them both together. They're trying to work it out through religion without God, and then they're waiting for God to do something without them. But they need to marry those two concepts together. We are in partnership with God. We are co-laborers together with Christ. Salvation is grace through faith. He's already provided salvation by his grace. We have to learn how to respond. We have to learn to focus. We have to learn to see God in our everyday life. Because when we're born again, Jesus said, we will see the kingdom. We won't just enter, we will see it. And we have to learn to renew in our minds to what God has already deposited in our born again spirits and seed form. We need to be renewed to that. See, in John 3, 1 to 5, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Jesus said, we must be born again to see and to enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus asked, how can this be? He said, yeah, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time again? See, like us, Nicodemus only saw things from a natural perspective. Jesus said, you have to be born again. And in his own mind, how can I as an adult get him back in my mom's womb? You're nuts, Jesus! You're, it's just ludicrous! How many times has the word of God spoken to us and our first thought was our body? Or natural things? Natural things. Jesus said we have to be born again. He is thinking, this is weird. That's Nicodemus. He's just thinking, that's weird. He's also intrigued because he's doing miracles. He also knows he's from God, but he's like, man, this is just too, too psycho, man. 
excuse my language on that because I just talked about psychology. But still, you know, it's just, it just weird. How many times have we had the word of God spoken to us and our first thought, our, the lens that we see it is only natural? Instead of understanding spiritual things. See, in John, I say all of that in John 3, 1 to 5, but he picks up verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. We've established this already, but everything produces that its own kind. When you get born again, your body does not get born again. When you get born again, your soul does not get born again. When you get born again, your spirit becomes born again. And that which is born to the spirit is spirit. See, we can fill this, this phrase with, um, me. before I go here, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was like, why did I have that in my notes? Now I'm like, no, I need to go. You know, through the years, I, I've been raised in a great home, raised up in the church in many different ways. But through the years, I've heard people say something like, we'll use a phrase like soul winning, or at a particular event, how many souls were saved. Okay? And I don't know about you, and I don't know your upbringing and what you've heard through the years, but some of you might have said this, huh? You know, we need to go win souls. We need to go save some souls. Your soul needs to get saved. Now, I, I agree with that last one. <laughs> Our soul needs to get saved. Okay? But, and technically, their soul is saved. But, it is their spirit that was saved. When Billy Graham had a big crusade and many people got saved, it wasn't their soul that got saved in that moment. It started a process of that. But technically speaking, their spirit was saved. It was their spirit that was born again, not their soul. I'm not saying that that didn't begin the process of their mind being renewed because they heard the word of God and, and some things were already beginning in motion with that. Okay, But flesh can only be through flesh. Your soul is your flesh. Okay? Spirit can only reproduce spirit. And I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm just trying to teach. So you understand the difference between the two so you're not confused with writings. If you don't understand this, some scriptures can be confusing you. And when you're confusing, some of you are just going to put it down and like, forget this. Okay? Okay, your spirit is born again of the spirit and of the word. It is in the image of God and His likeness. Okay? It's united with Christ. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Romans 5, 5 says, And, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed upon in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. It says it's shed abroad in our hearts. So, what part of our hearts? Because our hearts, we know, we've already talked about, is a combination of the spirit and the soul. But I believe, based on the scripture, by everything we're teaching this morning, that this, this uh, the part of our hearts that is 
is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit is our spirit. See, you have love in there, in your spirit. You have joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, or self-control. You also have wholeness in there. You also have healing in there. You also have prosperity. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I'm going to be doing a whole section on prosperity a little bit later in our series. You have deliverance in there. You have wisdom in there. You have the fullness of God in there. You have Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God and the Father. Paul said, if, if, when we know his love, you have the fullness of God in you. See, you don't have to look for love. You already have it. You don't have to go looking for joy. You already have it. You don't have to go looking for temperance and self-control. You already have it. You don't need to go looking for healing. You already have it. You don't need to go looking for prosperity. You already have it. You are born of the Spirit of God. You are born of the Word of God. You are born of the life of God. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And you need to be born again. You need to be born of God. You need to be born of the Spirit. And then you need to be disciple to know who you are and what you have in Jesus. Are you following me? Walk with Jesus and the joy of the Lord will become your strength. Again, Jesus told Nicodemus, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Don't marvel that you need to be born again. Also in Galatians, if we walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't focus on controlling the flesh. Focus on walking in the Spirit, and you'll control it. And by the temperance, he said this in verse 16, and verse 22 and 23, he said that fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Temperance is not the fruit of the flesh. Temperance is the fruit of the Spirit. <coughs> and if you will walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. To me, this is repentance. This is changing my mind of stop focusing on the flesh and start walking in the spirit. Because if you, you know, when you repent, when you repent, you change your mind. But when you repent, you also turn the other way. And if I'm, if if sin is over here, and Jesus is over here, repentance is simply turning to Jesus and turning away from sin. But if I turn away from sin, but I never turn to Jesus, what's the point of repentance? Repentance is not just not sinning. Repentance is turning, renewing your, being transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're focused on Jesus. And if you're focused on Jesus walking in the Spirit, you want, your back is already turned to sin. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But most of you don't know who you are. Most of you don't even know what you have in Christ. There's over 300 scriptures talk about what we have in Christ. And most of you don't believe what you already have, because you've never been taught it. You never even focus on it. You're focused on sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And I say, Amen, Amen, don't sin. But walk in the Spirit. And know you have, you are more than conquerors to him who loved you. 
mature because you're not sinning. You mature because you're growing in Christ. Temperance is not the fruit of the flesh. Are you going to boast in you because you stopped sinning? Are you going to boast the only reason I am what I am is because of Jesus? He changed my life. He changed my appetites. He changed my lifestyle. He changed my desires. Most of you don't believe you have to go get it. Now, what do I mean by that? That sounds like I'm, 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 okay, let me back up here. We're talking about the benefits of salvation. Particularly, we will talk about holiness. We're talking about healing and prosperity. There's many more we can be talking about. Deliverance and other uh, things. But most of us don't know who we are, first of all. We don't even understand what being born again really is. We don't even know what we have in the seed. Because in that seed is your healing, is your wisdom, is your prosperity, is everything that you need for life and godliness and the knowledge of Him. And most of you don't believe what you already have, and most of you don't believe you have you, you have to go get it. Jesus has already provided for it. Let me say it this way. Most of you don't believe that God still has to, to provide. That's, I, I feel like I'm, my, my, my slides are wrong of what I'm trying to say here. So let me just kind uh, of black, black up the screen. Excuse me. Most of you are trying to get something that God has already provided you through Jesus Christ. My slides are wrong. You don't have to get it in a sense that you have to earn it. You just need to know what you already have in Jesus Christ. You need to know what he has already provided you through Jesus Christ. And you need to know that he's already put it in you in seed form. And then you, with God with the Holy Spirit, are going to work that out. But first you need to know what you have. You can't work out something you don't even know you've got. But we're going to get into it in the next several weeks. We're not done with holiness yet. But we'll talk about healing and prosperity too, and we can talk about many different But when we know and we get a revelation of what we have, then we start working on working that out what He has already provided. Okay, I hope that making sense. Even the disciples had Jesus in their boat and had no peace. There's many stories, one in particular, where uh, there's actually multiple, where they were just fretting. Jesus himself, physically, was in their boat and they had no peace. Some of you think that if you had Jesus physically, your whole life would be different. Well, disciples, they had him physically in their boat. And they were a messed up case. They even said, don't you care that we're about ready to perish? And some of you have said the exact same thing in your own circumstances and situations. And yet they had him physically with them. We need to learn how to respond to Jesus who is also in our boat. He is, he is just as with you as he was with them. Spiritually speaking, because he's not my present, and he's not only here with you, he's inside of you. And this needs to be a living reality, that Jesus is in your boat. 
Okay. Again, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that is born of spirit. If you're born again spirit, looks just like Jesus. It has everything Jesus has. It's complete. It's whole. It's righteous. It's holy. Okay. And it's everything. It looks just like Jesus. And I can go on and on and with the list. That's why I kept going on my PowerPoint. And that's why we don't need to marvel when he says, you must be born again. But then he goes on, and I'm just going to go over for a few minutes. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm, I'm almost done. We'll, we'll, we'll finish this out. And he goes on verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it's everyone who is born of the Spirit. You cannot see the wind. Okay? You can only see the manifestations of the wind. See, Adam, mankind, was born by the breath, the wind of God. You following me? Book of Genesis. And we are born again by God breathed His Word. The Word of God. God God's Word is inspired. It's God breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Adam, physically speaking, was, was born by the wind of God. The breath of God. And we were born by the word of God that is the breath of God. Spiritually speaking. And when the wind blows into our inner man, that was dead, it became quickened. It became alive. Just like Adam became alive for the first time, physically speaking. Also spiritually speaking. Adam was born physically and spiritually at the same time. Okay? And our inner man was dead because of sin of trespasses. And just like Adam was dead before God breathed his nostrils, we became alive by the same breath and word of God. And when the wind blows into our inner man that was dead, it becomes alive. It becomes quickened, made alive. And when that which is dead is made alive, there will be some manifestations. When you became alive, even out of your mother's womb, there was a manifestation. Most of it was hearing that cry. The baby's cry. But when you're born again, spiritually speaking, there will be manifestation. There will be fruit. There will be evidence. Okay. There's a huge difference between someone who was dead and someone who's alive. Can I get a witness? I don't know if you've ever seen a dead person, but there, are something, there are something remarkably different between a live person and a dead person. And there are manifestations that someone's alive. If you see someone lying on the ground and you think they might be unconscious, the first thing you're going to do is see if they have a pulse and see if they're breathing. Because there needs to be some type of manifestations. You know, I have been times through the years I've seen people, you know, lying down and I'm just like, I want to see if, you know, like there's the, the, their lungs are going up and down, making sure they're alive. You know, I don't want to get too close if I don't have to, but, you know, and... And freak them out, and freak myself out. But but you know, I want to see some type of manifestation that they're alive. Okay, Bobby, you cannot see the wind. You can only see the manifestations of the wind, and there are manifestations of someone who is alive versus someone who is dead. Okay, there are manifestations of someone who is breathing versus someone who is not breathing. Something happens when the wind blows, yet you cannot see the wind itself. Something happens 
when you become born again of the Spirit. Yet, you cannot see your Spirit. I can't see your Spirit. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You cannot see your Spirit. But you can see the manifestations. There is a witness that the wind is blowing. There's a witness that the person is alive. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You know, to Jesus, this is just basic knowledge. And he's saying, You're a teacher. And you do not know the, the very basics of being saved and being born again. We're talking about the benefits of salvation. We're talking about the benefits of wholeness. And we're not done with this. Uh, I've spent a lot more time on this than I thought, originally thought. But we're talking about such a great salvation. And we're going to pick this up from where we left off next week into some new territory as we talk about wholeness. And more specifically, we're talking about spirit, soul, and body. So God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Have a great weekend.